Will you join me as we go to the Lord in prayer? I've got to transition this somehow. Lord, thank you. God, we will never, we pray that we will never get over being saved. Lord, thank you for Jesus and his salvation. Thank you for the sacrifice that he made on our behalf. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we don't deserve it. We can't earn it. But you save us anyways. Lord, thank you so much for being saved, for helping us be saved, for providing forgiveness and mercy and grace. Lord, we praise you for who you are today. And Lord, we pray that you will teach us even more dependence on who you are in our lives. So teach us today from your word. Speak to our hearts and our minds of the salvation and the dependence that we have on you. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the gift of salvation. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Good morning. I want you to take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read on, and I want you to turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 33. Exodus, chapter 33. Now, if you're not sure where Exodus is at, it's the second book in the Bible, so you'll basically start at the beginning and go all the way through the first book, which is Genesis, and then you'll get to Exodus, and you'll go back until you find a big 33 somewhere. Now, if you don't have a Bible with you, there are Bibles in the pews. Feel free to grab one of those uh, and turn to Exodus 33. And if you don't have a Bible at home, we want you to take that Bible at the end of the service that's in the pew, take that Bible out of the pew and tuck it under your arm and walk out the door with it. We want everybody to have a Bible at their home that they can read and study. So please, let that be our gift to you today. Please feel free to take that Bible home if you don't have one at your home. Now, as you're turning to Exodus 33, I want you to imagine with me for a moment. I'm married. I've been married for 15 amazing years. But can you imagine for just a moment what my marriage would be like if when I walked in the door after work and sat down on the couch or went to fix something for dinner or whatever I'm going to do when I get home, can you imagine what my life would look like if I never spoke a word to anyone in my house, I have a nine-year-old and a two-year-old. And believe me, when I walk in the door, uh, my living room is, you walk through this entryway and my living room is a, a left-hand turn. You can't see the front door from my, my living room. But when I open that door and I shut it, you can hear the door shut from my living room. And the moment that door shuts, without fail, I hear two little voices go, Daddy! And then within probably 20 seconds, there's a two-year-old blazing around the corner seeing if it's daddy that walked through the door. Can you imagine what my relationship would be like with my two-year-old if I never spoke a word to him? If I never told him I loved him? If I never spoke and got to know him a little bit? You know, he's at that age where he's talking. He's putting two or three word strands together to convey an idea. Can you imagine, would he ever speak to me if I never said a word to him? Imagine my relationship with my nine-year-old. I mean, he's in third grade, he's reading, and he's in that crazy kid transition where all he does is talk right now. It never stops. 
You know, right now I'm trying to teach my two-year-old how to talk. I'm trying to teach my nine-year-old to shut up. (laughs) But can you imagine what my nine-year-old's life would be like if every time I walked in the door, I didn't speak a word to him? Knowing that I can speak... What do you think my nine-year-old would think of me? What would my relationship with him be like if I never said anything to him? I have a beautiful wife. And can you imagine what my marriage would be like if I never spoke a single word to my wife? If I never communicated. Having the ability to speak, but choosing not to speak. Or let's even kind of make it not that extreme. What if I just spoke to my wife every three days? Would my relationship with my kids or my wife be healthy? No. And if you think that my relationship with my wife and kids would be healthy, if I only spoke to them every three days, you have a fundamental misunderstanding about healthy relationships. The fact is, is we are made, we are designed to communicate. We build connections through communication. Talking to one another, getting to know one another verbally. We're made to do that. But how often do we as individuals, and let me push it even a little further, we as a church body on a Sunday morning, how often do we really Go to God, our Savior, in prayer. We just heard a beautiful song about being saved. I pray that our prayer life would reflect how excited we are about what God has done for us. Right? So before I go any further, let me back up. Let's, let's do a review very quickly. We're in a series called The Unique Us. It's all about First Southern and how we are a unique church. Every church is unique, but what makes us unique? Well, we've talked about our mission statement, and our mission statement is this. Maybe you can say it with me. Leading every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. That's why we exist. That's what we do. Every ministry we have every message that's delivered, every, every minute of worship singing that we do here is designed to lead people to the life-changing hope of Jesus, leading every generation to that life-changing hope. But we clarified how we live that life-changing hope in how we accomplish that mission statement by our four values. So we did our first value, which is believe, And believe is the idea that the the foundation to knowing, to loving, and to understanding Him is God's Word. And so believe is a big part of who we are as a church. And then we spent a couple weeks talking about grow being one of our core values. And we talked about how growing means change, but that ultimately... um, following God is knowing that we are going to be moving where He takes us, both personally and as a church. And last week, we introduced the idea that one of our, our third value is connect. And I spent the last Sunday speaking about worship expression in music, what we just did. Uh, and that that's our love song to our Savior. Uh, and we need to find that healthy balance of what worship looks like. We don't want to hold back. We want to give God our all when we worship, whether it's through music or through our lifestyle or whatever it may be. Well, today I want to focus on prayer. 
So let's go back and talk about connect. Connect is hope is proclaimed when we are in relationship with God, the church family, and our community. That's how we connect. And guys, I mentioned it in our announcement time. We do truly believe that you will connect best, I will connect best, when we are connected to a body of believers regularly discussing God and His Word and living life together. We have to be connected into our church body. Uh, We're made that way. We're designed that way. God wired us to be built into a church body that way. Well, part of our uh, attribute of connecting also is having a very personal one-on-one connection with our Savior. And so today we're going to focus on prayer because prayer is such a vital, vital, essential, necessary part of our relationship with God. We cannot connect with our Savior if we are not communicating with our Savior. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is that opportunity to communicate with Him. Uh, Let's think about prayer throughout God's Word. Prayer is mentioned all throughout. Every single book of God's Word talks about prayer in some aspect. And you can go back and you can look through all the different ways. You can look through different prayers. Uh, You can look through what what has been done in Old and New Testament. But I think Jesus is the best example of prayer. Jesus being the Son of God. Uh, You can't get any closer to God than being His Son. Jesus being the Son of God prayed on a regular basis. The Bible, the New Testament, the Gospels over and over speak about how it was Jesus' habit to regularly go off by himself and spend hours alone praying. Listen, if Jesus needed to pray that much, I think it's safe to say that we probably do too, right? I don't think that any of us could go, you know what, Jesus needed that, but my relationship with God's pretty tight. I don't think I need that much prayer. I don't think that we can say that. So, I want to take an Old Testament reference to prayer, to connection with God, and look at what it teaches us this morning. So, take those those Bibles or those apps and turn to Exodus 33. We're going to start in verse 12. Exodus 33, starting in verse 12, and we're going to read through verse 16. Now, what's going on is Moses has uh, led the people out of Egypt, out of that slavery. They have crossed the Red Sea. They've gotten to Mount uh, Sinai where they're about to receive the Ten Commandments. And, or they've re- that Moses is actually on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments. And look at what happens. Look at what's said here. Exodus 33, starting in verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, so remember, he is on the mountain speaking to God in the presence of God. He says this, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you And continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? 
What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people of the face of the earth? Now, fast forward, go to chapter 34, so probably a page or two over, chapter 34, and I want you to look with me at at verse 29. Moses has had this conversation with the Lord. He has now come down off the mountain, and this is actually the second time this has taken place. He's gone up and down twice, but look at what he experiences, what has happened to him. 34 verse 29, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. His face was literally glowing. It says, if you keep reading after verse 29, it says that the people were scared of Moses. And that he ended up having to put a veil over his face because it was literally glowing. Now, in today's day and time, you would really be worried, right? Because we know things about radiation and we've seen enough uh, horror movies about what radiation and you can glow. That's all hogwash, by the way. But, But the fact is, is anybody would be scared of a person whose face, whose skin was literally putting off light you turn the light off and oh Moses is here great we can still do things in the house Uh, because he's he's like a light bulb but think about this for a moment God's presence was so near to Moses in this account that his body I don't know what what theory you have but I think his body absorbed some of God's amazing presence And that for a short time, his radiance was actually God's glory coming back off of him. Um, Old Testament scholars write about this, and that's, that's what they believe, is that this shining is the physical manifestation of God's glory shining off of Moses. So Moses, I want you to catch the point here. Moses spent some time having a hard conversation with the Lord. But I want you to notice what Moses tells God here. He said in verse 14, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. But look at what Moses says in verse 15. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Did you catch that? God's presence was Moses's primary concern because Moses knew that if God's presence was not with the people, then they would not have success. They would not be able to go into the promised land. They would not be able to settle there. They would not get to benefit from the blessings of the the land flowing with milk and honey. Moses knew that they desperately needed God's presence. But let me ask you this. When was the last time you went into God's presence? According to statistics... The majority of Americans that claim to be Christians struggle with their daily prayer life. That means in this room, most of us struggle with prayer. Now let me confess something to you right now as your pastor. This is my greatest struggle in my spiritual disciplines. Reading the Bible, man, I could read the Bible all day long. I love reading the Bible. I love listening to the audio Bible. I love absorbing God's Word. It's how I'm wired and it's how God designed me. 
but I have to make prayer an intentionally scheduled place in every day of my life or it won't happen because I honestly struggle with prayer. And here's why I think, for me personally, I struggle communicating with someone that I cannot physically see or touch or hear. I struggle with that. I can have a conversation with any one of you with no problem because I can physically hear you and see you and I could reach over and touch you on the shoulder. But I struggle with the idea of praying and having a conversation with someone that I cannot see physically with my eyes and that I cannot reach over and touch with my hand and that I cannot usually hear audibly with my ear. I struggle with this. So I have to make it an intentional part of my everyday life. And believe me, when I let that part of my intentional daily life slip, I notice my life goes a different direction when my prayer is not there. So, why do we pray? What is prayer and why do we do it? What's the point? Well, I'm going to give you three things today. If you're a note taker, there are three things that I feel are most important about what prayer does in our lives. The first one is this. It connects us to Him. Prayer connects us to God. Prayer is about connection, not information. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus tells us that God knows what you're going to pray before you ever say it. Because He knows your mind. He knows your thoughts. So if God already knows everything that you're thinking, prayer's primary purpose cannot be about updating God about information because God already has the info, right? You can give God information in the conversation that you're having, but God already knows everything that you're thinking. He knows every situation in your life. As a matter of fact, God knows your situations better than you know your situations. So Prayer is not about disseminating information to God. He doesn't need your information. God needs... Wait, wait, stop. Scratch that because God needs nothing. God wants to connect with you, not get a bunch of information from you. Prayer is about connecting. It's about relationship. He doesn't need the information. Now, if one of the aspects of prayer is to connect with Him. It's about relationship. Then part of that idea also needs to be that we've got to be very cautious not to let our prayers get too formal or too repetitive. So imagine, go back to my opening idea, the opening illustration about my relationship with my family. If I walk in the door and I live my life in my house and, and do things, and we put the kids to bed, and Jana and I sit down together on the couch, and I'm sitting next to her, and I say, Jana, I had a great day today, Jana. Jana, you need to know that Jana, I love you, Jana. Jana, you are the world to me, Jana. Jana, Jana, you need to hear the words, Jana, that are coming out of my mouth, Jana. I'm not saying this is a horrible thing, but why do we talk to God in a way that is completely idiotic to the way that we talk to other people? Why do we make prayer so formalized 
when Jesus says that God is our Father. And He doesn't use the formal Greek word for Father. He uses the word Abba, which is the relational word for Father in the New Testament. It's the word that a two-year-old son would say to his daddy as daddy walked in the door. If you go and read the Lord's Prayer, that's the word that Jesus uses to address God as Father. Now, yes, God is also King. God is also Master. So there does need to be a a level of respect and formality there that you may not use with someone that's your best friend or maybe even a spouse or a child. But we also don't need to over-formalize it to the point that it's not a type of conversation we would have with a normal person. John 15, Jesus tells us that we're no longer slaves or servants. He said, but to the Father, we're friends. Would you ever speak to a friend the way you speak to your father when you go to him in prayer? And some of you are really upset with me right now because you've been doing it this way for 50 years. And I get it. That's the way you were taught. And that's fine. If you want to continue that way, I just want to challenge you. Think about what your prayer life is actually like. Do you go and have an actual conversation? Or do you have a routine? Do you have a script that you read to God in your mind every time you go to God in prayer? God doesn't want your script. I will be strong on this point. God does not want your script. He wants your relationship. God does not want you to come to Him with 15 points of things that you need to cover with Him that day. And those 15 points never change from day in and day out. And they've been the same 15 points you've had for 30 years. God doesn't want a script. God doesn't want your points. He wants connection. He wants the son and daughter to come to his feet and say, Daddy, guess what happened today? When I sit with my nine-year-old, I don't want him to give me a script. I don't look forward to the day when my nine-year-old is a teenager And I ask him how his day went, and he goes, good. What'd you do today? Nothing. Where'd you go? Nowhere. Did you do anything? I don't know. We can laugh about it, but we do the exact same thing with our father. We give him the same canned responses that we've given him for years. It's time to throw the script in the trash. And it's time to start anew, realizing that it's not about a can uh, of responses that you have stored up in your mind. It's not about this script that you go through every single time you sit down with the Lord in prayer. It's about talking to God one-on-one. It's about a connection. And God wants your honesty. We formalize prayer to the point that we create a sugar-coated, fake person when we go to the Lord many times. But believe me, the Bible is full of prayers where people went to God in anguish and said things that we don't, wouldn't say normally to God as Americans in, in the 21st century. David, go read the Psalms. David cries out to God and complains to the Lord. God knows your complaints. 
God knows your emotions. God knows exactly what you're thinking before you go to him in prayer and after you go to him in prayer. He doesn't want your sugar-coated, nice-looking mask that you put on. He wants you. He wants the relationship. If my son, at nine years old, lied to me every time he sat with me about his struggles, my relationship with my son would start going south pretty quick. And many of you in this room may have adults, kids, who you've seen that played out, where they weren't honest with you, and what happened? The connection was lost. I know this is hard to hear, and I know some of you may disagree. And quite frankly, the Bible says this. This is what the Bible tells us. What did Jesus do in the Garden of Gethsemane? He brought his every complaint to the Lord. His father, knowing exactly what was going to happen. Jesus in that garden knew exactly what was about to take place. And what did he tell his father? God, take this cup from me. But then, of course, he ended it by saying, but I do realize it's not my will, but your will that will be done. But Jesus did not hold back. David did not ever hold back in his prayer life. And I think those are some pretty good examples for us about what prayer looks like. After all, if you go into 1 Samuel, God calls David a man after my own heart. Well, prayer was a vital part of that connection. Where is your connection to God? Take the word prayer out of it for just a minute and ask yourself, am I having a true connection, a true relationship with a father, a daddy, that loves me. Guys, there are times when you need to get down on your knees with your face against the floor and you need to be formal as if you're standing or kneeling before a king and you're begging him for mercy. And there are times when you need to sit down in a chair and sit back and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with your daddy who loves you. But the problem is, is most of us in this room don't have either one of those kinds of prayers. We have the formal sit up nice, put our hands together, close our eyes, bow our heads, and we have a script that we go through. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for Jesus. Forgive me. Help me to forgive others. Help me to resist temptation. Help those churches and those children. Amen. That's not a relational conversation. That's a list. And that's not what God wants from us. God wants a relationship. I know I'm repeating this, I'm repeating this on purpose because I'm hoping that through the repetition, it will sink in. So, God wants your all. He wants everything. He wants the good, the bad, the muddy, the messy, the clean. He wants to give you to give Him the things you did really well and the ways you dropped the ball. He wants all of you, all the time. That's what prayer is. Prayer is a connection. So that's number one. Why do we do it? What is prayer all about? It's to connect to Him. The second one is to depend on Him. It's to depend on Him. I personally think the reason most people in America struggle with prayer is because we don't understand what being dependent on something is. Because every single one of us, even if we struggle financially, we get by. We always have food on our table. We usually have a roof over our head. The car may not work, but we've got a car. And we manage. We get by. 
But believe me, prayer looks different in other countries. I've been to Albania, where the socioeconomic uh, status of people is much lower, where the unemployment rate is multiple times higher than what it is here in the United States. I've been to Thailand even just recently, and I've seen poverty. And believe me, when I tell you that prayer looks different there than it looks here, I'm speaking from experience. I think we as Americans struggle to pray regularly because we don't think we need anything. Well, I'm fine. So prayer takes a back seat. And then when things get tough, what's the first thing we do? Oh, God, help me, Jesus. Right? We as Americans need to learn to depend on God more. We need to realize that the air we're breathing in this room right now is only here because God gave it to us. We need to realize that the car we have sitting out in the parking lot right now is only out there and has gas in it because God gave it to us. Because we are 100% completely dependent on Him for everything we have. We need to begin wrapping our minds and our hearts around that idea. And I think if we do understand that we're 100% dependent on God, I think our prayer life would change a little. Because it does in other countries where they are more dependent. So we need to learn to be dependent on Him. We need to understand that God is constantly providing. John 15, Jesus makes this one little statement that, that I just love. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. We are 100% dependent on God for everything. 100%. We cannot have anything or do anything without Him. So, number three, what is prayer and why do we do it? We do it to increase our faith in Him. Now, this is different from point number two. This is about spiritual health. Not physical provision, uh, not the air that we breathe, but our spiritual health in Him. I want to go back to the idea that Jesus on a regular basis, went off by himself and prayed for hours. He did that because he needed the spiritual strength that comes through prayer. My relationship with my wife is healthy because I communicate with her. It's one of the reasons why it's healthy. If you took the element of communication out of my relationship with my wife, if I never communicated with her, my relationship would ultimately break down and fall apart. We have to learn to pray and realize that part of what prayer is is to increase the spiritual health that we need through Him. Because apart from Him, we can do nothing. We cannot be spiritually strong. We cannot be spiritually, uh, have spiritual stamina and endurance. We need Him. Tough times will come. And our prayer life will determine whether we get through those tough times or not. Because we need the spiritual strength that we gain when we go to Him. On a side note, I think that we should also spend a little more time praying for spiritual needs than we do about physical needs. The average American, according to studies, prays about ten times more for physical needs of themselves and others than they do about spiritual needs. Guys, this physical world is going to go away. It's the spiritual that's going to last. So what should we spend more time praying about? The thing that's eternal or the thing that's going to die off? The things that are eternal. 
I think we should probably spend more time praying for our neighbor that doesn't know the Lord or that coworker or that family member who's struggling in their faith. It's just a side note I think we ought to think about. So connect. Hope is proclaimed when we are in relationship with God, the church family, and our community. Let me go back to the idea of hope and I'll wrap up with this. Hope is not going to be evident in your life if prayer is not an element of your life. Hope is not going to be evident in your life if prayer is not an element of your life. It's just a fact. If we want to lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus, prayer has to be a fundamental, foundational part of how we do that hope, how we live out that hope, how we lead every generation to that life-changing hope in Jesus. We have to be dependent on Him. We have to connect to Him, be dependent on Him, and increase our faith in Him through prayer. It's what He calls us to do. So what do we do with this information? Some of you in this room need to set an alarm on your phone that goes off every day at a certain time and you stop whatever you're doing and you spend time in prayer. Some of you in this room, you don't struggle with prayer at all. To you, amen, hallelujah. If you love prayer and prayer is a huge part of your life, I would encourage you to think about being part of the prayer ministry here at First First Southern. We're starting up a brand new prayer ministry. It's going to involve praying for people uh, after service and after events and praying through our prayer list, uh, praying through people who have been brought up. Um, I would encourage you, if you're interested in being part of our prayer team, uh, I want you to contact me directly. Uh, contact the office, they'll get you in touch with me, or if you have my email, send me an email. But I want you to get in touch with me if you're interested in being part of the new prayer team that we're putting together here at First Southern. Another way you can practically apply this um, is to intentionally spend some time during the response time in prayer. Just because Keith gets up here and sings a song does not mean you have to sing a song. I'm sorry, Keith. Sometimes God doesn't want you to sing. God wants you to spend some time talking to Him because He's just told you something and you need to unpack that with Him. Here's the last, uh, or one more thing. We have a couple of times during the week where you can come and pray. Uh, The first one is on Sunday mornings at 8.45 in the morning. I have a small group that meets with me in my office, which is the corner right here of the uh, office building. Uh, meets with me at 8.45 in my office and prays with me before service starts. If you'd like to be a part of that, just walk through that door. It's always propped open. I prop it open about 8.35, 8.40, somewhere in there, and we sit and we talk and then we pray. I'd love for you to join us for that. The second big opportunity that we have during the week is at 6 o'clock on Wednesday nights. We have an extended prayer time and Bible study that takes place in this classroom right here, right behind this panel, this wall right here. There's a door right here and there's a door on the outside. We'd love for you to come join us and pray. We do uh, all sorts of prayers uh, on Wednesday nights. Come join us. Here's the part that's going to apply to everybody. From this point forward, prayer is going to be a big part of our church service. And what I mean by that is rather than doing three or four 30-second prayers, we're going every Sunday morning, we're going to have an extended three to five-minute prayer time in service, in here, every Sunday morning. And that's going to start right now. 
So here's what we're going to do. It's going to change weekly, just like the offering time changes weekly. We may do it before the sermon. We may do it at the very beginning of the service. We may do it after the service, or after the sermon. We don't know. We'll change it up regularly, but we will, from this point forward, have an extended time of prayer in here corporately as a church body. And I hope through that that you can learn in your personal prayer life to let that prayer and connection grow all the more. So, Will you join me in a time of extended led prayer now? Pray with me. Almighty God, we thank you so much for today. God, we give you all the praise. You alone deserve it. We thank you, Lord, that just as we learned today, you want a connection to us. You want to be in relationship with us. And Lord, we praise you for that. Because honestly, we don't deserve to be in connection with you. You are far above us. And so, Lord, we thank you and praise you that you are a God that wants to have a connection with us. Thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for hearing our prayers. We thank you for caring for our needs. And Lord, this morning we pray 2 Chronicles 640, where it says, Now, O oh my God, let your ears be open and attentive to the prayers of this place. So Lord, first we pray forgiveness. Lord, forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for the ways that we fall short. Forgive us for the ways that we just outright outright disobey you. And Lord, forgive us for the ways that we actively rebel against you. And Lord, help us to resist the temptations that are constantly bombarding our lives. But also help us, out of the forgiveness that you give to us, God, help us to be a forgiving people with others. Help us to continually and generously give out forgiveness to those around us. Lord, we pray for this church. We pray that this church body and every individual of this body would be an ambassador for Jesus. And Lord, we pray that you would give us a heart for our community Give us a heart for those who don't know you, that we would have the courage to speak your truth into their lives, and even if not the courage to do that, God, I pray that we would just have the courage to invite them to church, to hear your word spoken. Lord, we pray for other churches all over the valley in this nation, in this world. Lord, we pray that you would give the leaders of that church courage to speak your word and to follow you in your word. Lord, we pray that people in churches would grow because of the the godly leadership over those churches. And we pray the same thing about those churches. Help them to be ambassadors in their community for Jesus Christ. Help them to have a heart for their community and for the lost in their community. So we pray for other churches. Lord, we pray for our children. We pray for our students. We pray for those of us who are adults and those who are elderly and maybe even shut in. Lord, we pray that you would continually help us to grow in you, to be discipled, to allow ourselves to be changed by you so that our lives would reflect the personhood and the godliness and the salvation that can only be found in Jesus, that our lives would scream the life-changing hope of Jesus to everyone around us. Help us to be those kinds of people. Lord, we pray for those who are in authority over us. 
We pray for leadership of all levels, leadership in church. We pray for leadership in schools and at work. We pray for leadership in government at all levels, at city level, at state level, at national level. We pray for our leaders. And we pray, God, that you would give them wisdom. Help them day in and day out to seek you and to pursue your will. May your will be done on this earth through what they do, just as Romans 13 promises. Lord, help us to submit to their authority, just as Romans 13 tells us to do. But again, give them wisdom. Help them to follow you in all of their ways. And Lord, I pray for those who do not know you. I pray for those that we know personally, whether they be family or friends or co-workers or whatever. I pray that every person that we know personally in our lives that you would give us a heart for them, that you would help us to recognize their need for you, and that you would open doors through your Holy Spirit to speak your life-changing hope into their lives. Give us opportunities to speak about you. Give us opportunities to invite them to hear about you. But give us a heart for those who don't know you. Reveal your truth to them and send us out as godly men and women send us to them so that your word can go out to them blessed are the feet that deliver the good news of your gospel lord we pray that you would send us that you would connect us to them and give us courage lord we pray uh, for all of the persecuted church all over the world and Lord, we pray for those who are right now either persecuted or are in jail uh, or are being beaten or whatever it is. Lord, we pray for those Christians all over the world who are suffering because of the name of Jesus. Give them strength, Lord. Give them that supernatural strength that can only come from you. Give them the endurance and the courage to be like Paul, who in the midst of his beatings, in the midst of his imprisonment, he spoke your word. Lord, give them courage and give them strength. Give them the endurance. Strengthen them through your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that throughout these countries and in America, that your gospel would spread. That revival would come throughout the world. Lord, may it begin here. May your revival begin with us. Use us to bring about a new movement of Jesus Christ to the world. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for connecting to us. We thank you for your relationship. But Lord, we thank you most of all for the fact that Jesus Christ hung on a cross as the Son of God, sinless and innocent, shedding His blood so that our sins could be forgiven. And Lord, we thank You that on the third day after His death, He rose from the grave in victory over that sin and that death. And then later He ascended into heaven and right now He sits at the right hand of You, God the Father Almighty. And Lord, I pray that if there is anyone here who the Holy Spirit is speaking to and is drawing to you, Lord, I pray that you would give them the courage to respond. We thank you, Lord, for you are a good God. 
And we praise you for who you are, what you've done, what you're doing, and what you're going to do. And we pray all of this in the amazing, loving name of our Master and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now we have a time to respond again. Maybe you need to talk to God about what you've heard this morning. Maybe you need to sit at your chair, at your pew, and you need to pray right where you're at. Maybe God's calling you to stand and praise Him in in musical worship. Maybe you need to talk to someone. Maybe you have questions about uh, stepping into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Uh, Whatever your response needs to be, we invite you to do so now. Uh, If you need to talk, my name is Pastor Chad. I'm going to be right here at this front pew, and I would love the opportunity to talk to you. I'll also be available in the foyer at the end of service. So let's stand or sit, whatever God is calling you to do, and let's respond this this morning.